Welcome back to the return of Devils Talking Padres. Dominic Stern joined by Bobby Murphy and just a refresher or, you know, uh, introduction. If you're a new listener, this is Devils Talking Padres. Bobby and I are both San Diego residents, but we're also uh, journalism students at the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism and Mass Communications at Arizona State University. So thus Devils Talking Padres. Uh, we thank you all for tuning in. I mean, this is a podcast that we hope to do recapping and previewing every single series. And we figure there's no time better to start than just before uh, opening day in Arizona, which Bobby and I will both be in attendance for. I mean, I know I'm ecstatic. How are you feeling about that too, Bobby? I'm just super excited to be back talking Padres baseball, excited to be back doing DTP on the weekly or more than more than weekly actually, but I can't wait to go see Padres baseball tomorrow uh, as we're filming the day before uh, the day before opening day, but I'm just so excited to see, uh, the boys and the Padres play again. Yeah, it's going to be a very exciting season. And whether or not they exceed expectations, don't meet expectations, or meet them this year, either way, going to enjoy some more Padres baseballs. That's our favorite team, and we're going to enjoy covering the team for you all. Uh, this is an East Village Times podcast. Uh, if you don't know what East Village Times is, we're basically credentialed media for all San Diego sports, college, and professional. So, uh, if you aren't familiar with our work, check us out, eastvillagetimes.com, and you can find us on Twitter at EBT underscore news. But let's talk about spring training and this roster construction to start the podcast, Bob. And spring was kind of interesting because there were several spots that were up for grabs, starting rotation, bullpen, a couple positions here and there. What were your thoughts on some of the position battles, primarily the left field one? Uh, let, let's Let's start there with left field. Yeah, well, the main thing with the left field uh, is pretty much between Profar and uh, CJ Abrams, as obviously the Padres have a lot of guys who can't play shortstop. But mainly, I think it's between Drugs and Profar and CJ Abrams. Profar, who a lot of Padres fans, I do not think or I do not want to see as an everyday left fielder for the Padres since they couldn't get anyone else in the offseason really to play left. Uh, but Profar didn't have a great spring. In 12 games, he was 7 for 31, hit 226 with a 656 on OPS and CJ Abrams looked amazing. He had the most at bats on the team. He was getting his reps, getting his play time, 37 at bats, 12 hits, he hit 324. Um, and he just looked amazing. He hit two home runs, really only had four, four RBIs, but he was getting on base at a five one four slugging percentage. And he just looked amazing for the Padres. And with Fernando out, obviously it'll be likely Hassan came at shortstop, but with Fernando out, it's nice to have another guy stepping up uh, who could be a shortstop, who could be depth in the outfield. And for C.J. Abrams, I just hope he can keep keep this up, keep this momentum into the regular season. Yeah, he's been a stud. And currently, as the Padres roster sits, there's 30 guys. 20 players are going to open up on the opening day roster because for April, Major League Baseball and the Players Union agreed to have 28 guys to kind of ease help these pitchers in. Uh, it's basically so you can have two extra pitchers on your roster. And it seems like barring the fact that CJ Abrams is one of the two guys to uh, get cut and considering the fact that Mike Clevenger and Fernando Tatis Jr. are on the roster and they're not going to start the season because they're going to be on the injured list. CJ Abrams, he's going to be on the Potters opening day roster. And I think that's super exciting for Potters fans who have followed him throughout uh, his time. The minor leagues followed him when the Potters drafted him in 2019 Bobby and I, we were at a spring training game together last year. He was at shortstop and uh, he kept making some great plays. We were yelling, he's only 19 before 
some uh, some guy told us that he was uh, in fact twenty, and you could uh, you could hear it in the replay that he's only nineteen, and uh, you know it's kind of funny, but he he's young, he's hungry. Bob Melvin has made it abundantly clear that he's uh, he's worked hard to make sure he could be on this Potters opening day roster, and it seems like he's going to be rewarded with that. So I think that's super interesting. And yeah, Jerkson Profar, he's kind of a guy that has no business being an everyday starter in major league baseball. I mean, we're just going to say it how it is. And what he's done so far in his major league career is he's done nothing particularly well, except work long at bats and show plate discipline, which is something, but he doesn't present that much more. He's a switch hitter. You can play multiple positions. Got to give him credit for that, but it's hard to envision the Padres making the playoffs with him being their everyday left fielder. And they brought in Matt Beatty, in a very small trade uh, with the Los Angeles Dodgers as Beatty was DFA'd there. There was apparently some like clubhouse issue with Beatty and they just had a lot of other guys who were capable of playing in the major league level. So if they're an organization like the Dodgers that just consistently wins and brings up guys that can be just as good as Matt Beatty made sense for them to move on from him and trade him to the Padres because they were someone who was willing to give them anything for him. I don't know what else the Padres outfield situation presents. Jorge Alfaro played a little bit of left field last year for the Miami Marlins. It wasn't awful, but he's not the most athletic guy in the world. He's a catcher and catchers generally aren't that fast. The outfield, you got to run a lot. So that poses a problem. I'm not sure what they're going to do. I'd assume that Jerickson Profar is the starting left fielder on opening day, just because it's going to be against Madison Bumgarner, but Intrigued to see what it is. Game two against Merrill Kelly, a right-handed pitcher. I'd guess it's Matt Beatty. Once again, these are all just guesses. We don't actually know anything for what the Potters are going to do. They're one of the most unpredictable organizations in baseball. So, I mean, the infield also kind of plays out weird because Fernando Tatis Jr. is going to miss up to the first three months of the season. Uh, He broke his wrist in the offseason. It's assumed that he did this. When he fell off his motorcycle in the Dominican Republic, as frustrating as that is, nothing you can do about it now. Ha Sung Kim has been kind of the guy that people are expecting to fill in for him at short. Could be CJ Abrams as well. Those guys could platoon. We're not sure. But either way, Jake Cronworth is expected to play second. And then Eric Hosmer is expected to play first. What do you make of the infield while Fernando Tatis Jr. is out? Well, with the infield, obviously, we have Manny Machado at third base, and he will continue to put up MVP numbers throughout the entire season, hopefully. And Hassan came out, I expect him to play short during for most of the season, and he had a great spring. I know it's just spring training, and we don't want to o- overlook it too much but or underlook it too much, but 11 for, thir- for 30, 367 batting average, and a 1072 OPS. Hassan Kim looked really good during the during spring training and last year he just didn't get he was adjusting to mlb pitching he wasn't getting consistent play time and i think with consistent play time with a year under his belt hassan kim will obviously not put up what he's doing in spring training over a 13 game stretch but he's looking a lot more comfortable at the play he still has a long swing but he's looking a lot more comfortable and that would be huge for the padres because obviously he is a great defender after what we saw his first year in the mlb but if he can keep what he's doing up at the plate, like he did in spring, spring training a little bit, this, that would be huge for the Padres lineup. Cronenworth at second, uh, which he could play first a little bit. Obviously, there's Matt Beattie and Hosmer, who, who will both play first a little bit. But 
Crony, I expect to play short to play second base a lot more with Kim at short and Crony's a solid fielder and his bat will be huge in the lineup. I expect him to probably be in the second, in the two hole in the lineup for most of the season before Tatis, before Fernando's, before Tatis is back. But Eric Hosmer at first, I mean, we really need a bounce back season from him. He was hard to watch last year. Still on the team. Padres were unable to trade him. Talks never really got anywhere throughout the entire offseason, but it's a solid infield. And if Hosmer and Kim can bounce back and just keep up what Kim's been doing in spring training, this will be a really good infield with especially Hosmer with especially with Cronenworth and Machado. Yeah, I think unlike the outfield, this infield group has potential. And I truly believe that Manny Machado is going to have an MVP caliber season. He's been consistent throughout his entire career. He's finished four times in the top 10 in MVP voting. And I'd expect nothing less than that this year. It would have certainly been five. And he got traded in 2018. So went from Baltimore to to Los Angeles. And then at that point, uh, you can't really get MVP votes because you, you've been in two separate leagues. But I truly believe he can have an MVP caliber season. I do think it's Juan Soto's award to lose. He's the best hitter in baseball. But Manny Machado can absolutely give him a run for his money, especially now that he's healthy, playing injured all of last year. And the catching situation took a bit of a churn today. We're, of course, recording this Wednesday night. It's going to be posted Thursday morning. But Victor Caratini, after one season with the Padres, was traded away to the Brewers. What do you think of that trade? Yeah, well, the Padres had to know overabundance at catcher of course with alfaro likely to make the roster austin nola will be starting campusano who did get sent down but will hopefully likely get some at bats this year i mean he's still a young player salt good arm solid bat and i'd love to see him as still the padres catcher of the future but caratini i mean the only thing that really loses for the padres is just he had the chemistry he had with you darvish that's really the only reason why we had him and I'm totally fine with trading him. Of course, I would much rather see Alfaro get at bats. And the only thing we lose it loses is just the Darvish and the Caratini chemistry that they have. And because he was his personal catcher, of course. But I was fine with the trade. We did have too many catchers. And I know that they did bring another catcher in, but it's no one that would be competing at all for MLB at bats. Yeah, and the writing was kind of on the wall during spring training. I mean. Caratini, like you mentioned, he was Darvish's catcher. There was a couple of Darvish outings where he didn't catch. And then he was also kind of the guy who caught Joe Musgrove because he pitched a little similar to you, Darvish. And there was a couple of starts during the spring training where Caratini didn't catch him. So the writing was on the wall here. And, I mean, matter of the fact is, Jorge Alfaro was a Rangers prospect. He was signed when AJ Preller was a scout with the Texas Rangers. So, AJ Preller doesn't give up on the on his guys. And we're, we're seeing another instance of that. I'm optimistic about Alfaro. Obviously, his track record in the major leagues is very shoddy, but I, I think there's potential here. And when there's potential, you know, you kind of just gotta say, hey, why not? And when it comes to Victor Caratini, there wasn't exactly a ton of potential. And you Darvish is a good pitcher because of you Darvish, not because Victor Caratini was his catcher. And sure, I'm sure he had something to do with it, but it wasn't a huge thing. So I'm not too concerned about that. It is something to point out though. Then also when you look at it, it's still Austin Nola's job and we say whatever you want about Austin Nola. He's been the most consistent catcher the Padres have to this point. And even that's not too consistent. Pitching staff seems to like him. So 
roll him out there, see how he does, and let's ride. Starting pitching. I mean, this is where things get really interesting because this group is expected to be elite last year, like best in the major league. Just wasn't. No other way around it. And there's some question marks around them this year, but when you look at it, a lot of talent. You Darvish finished second place in the signing award race just two years ago. Blake Snell was dominant in the playoffs two years ago, was dominant in the last half last year. I mean, you Darvish was really good in the first half last year too. Sticky stuff, injuries, we'll see. Blake Snell, 2018 signing award winner. Joe Musgrove was really good last year. Then you also have Mike Clevenger coming back at some point. He's been one of the best pitchers when healthy. Chris Paddock is still on the roster, despite the rumors that he was going to get traded to Minnesota potentially this afternoon. Nick Martinez comes back from Japan. Uh, He certainly looked really good this spring. Uh, That's a name to keep an eye on. Then also, uh, you still have Mackenzie Gore, who's looked insanely good this spring. Ryan Weathers, uh, Marijon, and Baez are going to be coming back at some point. So this group has a ton of optimism, but certainly some question marks there too. And of course, last year the Padres' demise really started after the All Star break with all with mostly the injuries to the pitchers and just the injuries and along with just the just the downfall of a lot of the pitchers. So you talk about Darvish, the sticky stuff, injuries, but with Darvish starting opening day, I mean this rotation still does look very good with Darvish, Musgrove, of course, Sean Manaya. Uh, whatever happens with Chris Paddock, if he's a long reliever, if he stays on the roster, but Blake Snell, if he, if he bounces back last year, he did finish the season rough, but if this rotation stays healthy, and of course you mentioned Nick Martinez from Japan, he's been looking great this spring and Baez, Morejon, obviously they had Tommy John last year. They were both out for the season, but that's just more depth for this Padres rotation. And we, so we use some of them in triple A, we use some of them, some of them as a long reliever, because, I mean, Paddock was, really didn't look like he was going to have a spot if Nick Martinez takes that fifth spot. It looks like Paddock would be a long reliever for most of the season if he stays on the roster. That could be a job that goes to Morejon, Baez, and it, it just gives this rotation more depth. The rotation's got a bunch of guys who are capable of being really, really good. It's also a lot of guys that have a ton of question marks. So, Ruben Nibla, new Padres pitching coach, ton of optimism around him. Uh, there's kind of like a false optimism with Larry Rothschild. I mean, you know, you looked at the track record of guys that he had helped improve and you said, okay, cool. There's also a lot of guys that uh, got injured with him, didn't like pitching with him and went elsewhere and pitched really well. So there was concern in that aspect, but I, I do believe in this Padres pitching staff. I don't know about you, Bobby, but I, I think it's going to be the strength of the team. And Dummy did make the round table that will come out shortly, but I did say that, I believe I said that the strength of the team would also be the Padres pitching staff. Big question mark there is if it can stay healthy, that'll be the biggest thing for this entire team because without Fernando, the lineup does look a little bit weak in the middle, but, or around the three to five spot. If it depends who we have, it depends on Voight plays, but this pitching staff will make or break the Padres season. Of course, really depending on how healthy they, they stay. And if they can just, I mean, just honestly not suck. Like last year, Snell Darvish <laughs> ended up poorly. Paddock, it was that second half of the season was was really bad, and the rotation was a lot. Yeah, and a lot of that was due to the rotation. Yeah, and Bob, when did you fill out that roundtable? 
uh was it the after, other night after everyone else because that's why i did put mania yeah because uh i i i didn't see your responses so you, oh, I did not, do it. You're, yeah, I, you're unfortunately yeah. not included in the round table, but uh, yeah. anyways, you'll, you'll be able, I'll, I'll go back and I'll look. Cause if it's not posted by tomorrow, I'll put you in there. But the, uh, the concern is, is that there are guys who have the problems and there are, there's optimism, but injuries happen. It's inevitable. And a lot of the guys do have injury track records, unfortunately. So Key thing to watch out there. Uh, the bullpen is also really interesting because the Padres, they let Mark Melanson walk, you know, say whatever you want about Mark Melanson and how he was lucky last year. It's completely valid, but he was a good closer for the San Diego Padres. He got the job done. And for the first time in a long time, the Padres don't have an established closer going into the season. And there's really been three guys who have been like competing for the job. It's been Emilio Pagan, who of course is a familiar face. Denelson Lament is an extremely familiar face, but not in this role. And then Robert Suarez, another guy who pitched overseas with a Padre sign, who throws really hard, and a lot of people in the organization believe in him. Who do you think the Padres' closest should be? Right now, I would love it to be Denelson Lament. Obviously, with the injuries, he's not going to be a starter anymore. His stuff is still disgusting. He has a disgusting slider, one of the best in the league. And I would love to see Lament as the closer for this team, but Robert Suarez did have an amazing spring. Uh, Pagan, I would like to see Pagan as the eighth inning setup man, Stamman at, at, at seventh, and then Pierce Johnson and Tim Hill as just the early five, six, seven inning guys. But right now, I'd love it to be Denelson Lamette. His stuff is disgusting, and I'd love to see him. I don't want to say re- revitalize his career because it's really not – it's not down the drain, but as a reliever, I think he could really uh, – he could really – he could really thrive in the reliever role as the closer. Yeah. And the Potters were vamping him up to be a reliever this year because they, they hadn't really tested him several times last year where they're throwing him back to back days or on one day's rest. But we saw that a couple of times this year. Sometimes it went well, sometimes it didn't. It'll be interesting to watch out for, but I'm just going to tell you listeners, don't be surprised to see Robert Suarez run out from the right field bullpen uh, tomorrow night or tonight, depending on when you're listening. Don't be surprised. I, I think that he's won the closer job. I think that's what the people inside the organization are saying. And that that's all I'll say on that. He throws hard and whether or not he's going to be able to be a closer at the major league level, that'll be interesting to see it's concerning. The Padres don't really have that closer or a guy that has a ton of closing experience. Now, Emilio Pagan did close for the Rays in 2019, but he only did that for part of the year. So it's always something to watch out for. The rest of the bullpen shakes up kind of interestingly because whichever one of those guys doesn't win the closer role, they're going to be setting whoever wins the closer role up. And Drew Pomerantz had been kind of the guy for the Padres who had been the dominant eighth or seventh inning guy, but Pomerantz is going to be on the 60-day injured list to start the season. So they're going to be leading out guys like Pierce Johnson, Tim Hill, Luis Garcia, a couple other names to get the Padres to that position. And I was wondering what your thoughts were on the rest of the bullpen. Yeah. One thing I want to see this year is a lot more uh, control, of course, from Austin Adams, but 
I mean, this bullpen is really strong. I like Pierce Johnson a lot, Pagan in the eighth inning. He had he was a little bit up and down last year, but overall, I still like Pagan as the setup man. When Drew Pomerantz comes back, that's a huge left, left-handed left arm. Or, sorry. When Drew Pomerantz comes back, that's a huge left, left-handed arm to come out of the bullpen along with Tim Hill. But I'd love to see Pagan as the setup man and Pierce Johnson. I want to see him get a lot of, a lot of innings and seventh inning spot as well. The bullpen also going to get some help from Ruben Niebla. So once again, it's going to be really fascinating to watch how that system evolves. And if those arms cannot get overworked, stay healthy and be strong, hopefully going into the postseason. I mean, that kind of wraps up the roster. Uh, like we mentioned, there's 30 players as we're recording this currently on the active roster and a couple of them are destined to go to the injured list. So the guys who are currently healthy, who have been playing in spring training. Those are the guys that are going to be on the Padres 28 man opening day roster in January. And I think that's super exciting. I don't think we have to really dive too deep into this, but I'm just going to kind of read this roster off for all of you. So that way you are aware uh, pitchers include Austin Adams, Mike Clevenger, who's going to go to the injured list, Nabil Krismat, you Darvish, Luis Garcia, who may or may not go to the injured list. It's been a minute since he pitched out of the bullpen for the Padres, Javi Guerra, Tim Hill, Pierce Johnson, Reese Kinnair, Denelson Lamette, Sean Manaya, Nick Martinez, Joe Musgrove, Chris Paddock, Emilio Pagan, Blake Snell, Craig Stammen, Robert Suarez, and Steven Wilson. Two catchers on the active roster. That's what it's going to look like. Jorge Alfaro and Austin Nola. As for infielders, Jake Cronenworth, Eric Hosmer, Ha-Sung Kim, Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis Jr., who is destined to go on the injured list, Luke Voigt. As for outfielders, there's currently four. It's Matt Beatty, Trent Grisham, Will Myers, and Jerickson Profar. So CJ Abrams, not on that list, but uh, it's expected that he'll get there. Uh, he'll get a 40-man spot first, uh, especially if Mike Clevenger goes on the injured list, Fernando Tatis Jr. goes on the 60-day injured list. Those are guys that could open up roster spots for that to happen. You think CJ Abrams is going to be on the open day roster? I think he will be. And I would love to see him on the roster. I mean, with the spring he just had, he was absolutely great. I know he'd get a lot more at bats in triple a, but I think Bob Melvin would like to, would is going to push for him to be, to have a spot at least on the roster, uh, likely as a backup out, as a backup outfielders, more depth, even some infield. I mean, as I said earlier, I think we'll get more reps in the outfield. Uh, but It'll, I would love to see him on this opening day roster. Me too. I want to hear his name called tomorrow night at Chase Field. So uh, that's kind of our roster review and not really too much else to go into there. And let's just talk about the upcoming series against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Let's wrap that up. Uh, We thank you all for tuning into this first episode. It means a lot to you guys are listening to us after a couple of months off. Potter's opening the season in Arizona, Chase Field. It's been a house of hell for the San Diego Padres, to say the least. Uh, several players have gotten hurt here. A couple of really tough losses, whether it be blowouts, just times where it comes down to the last pitch where Potter's are at bat, even a couple of walk-offs. And you and I have been to, unfortunately, a lot of them uh, since the uh, midway point in the 2019 season when we came out here our freshman year. So hopefully it goes a little bit better. I mean, the, I mean, we're just going to say it. 
Diamondbacks aren't expected to be very good this year. They absolutely could exceed expectations because they have, in my opinion, a ton of talent on this team, but the talent of course has to perform and the talent hasn't performed that much as of late, but starting pitchers wise, I mean, the Padres they're going to roll out in the first three games are going to go. You Darvish on opening day is going to make second straight opening day start first pitcher since uh, Edinson Volquez to start back-to-back opening days for the San Diego Padres, which is cool and sad at the same time. Two is going to be Sean Manai, who the Padres just acquired from the Oakland A's for Eurebiel Angelus. And uh, I forget who, but it's Martinez. He was a relief pitcher, pretty expendable piece. And then uh, Joe Musgrove is going to go the third time around. That sets him up to start the home opener five days later, which would be absolutely awesome. Uh, we don't know who's going to pitch in the fourth game. We hope that'll be announced at some point. Uh, Jace Tingler made it a pretty strong habit to wait a little bit to announce his starting pitchers. And we're hoping that Bob Melvin, a more experienced manager, doesn't do that as much. But it's assumed it's probably going to be Nick Martinez, if not Blake Snell. Uh, Blake Snell's not exactly ramped up to make a full start and they could maybe piggyback, uh, Chris Paddock or whichever starting pitcher ends up also making the roster. What are your expectations for those guys? The Padres are rolling out. Yeah, well, of course the top three guys are all healthy, all healthy. They will be making their starts. I'm super excited to see Sean Manaya uh, as a Padre. I think he's going to be a great pitcher for the Padres this year. Of course, Musgrove was our most consistent guy last year. And you Darvish, of course, the opening day starter. Like you said, that's that was just kind of depressing. But I'm excited to see you Darvish out there on the mound for the second year in a row as the opening day starter. But with the top three guys, I'm feeling really comfortable with them. And if Snow goes to fourth day, that's perfect. He like Snow will be a great number three starter for this team. But with those three guys, it gives me a lot of confidence against this Diamondbacks lineup, which won 52 games last year. I expect them to win more this year, but still not the best lineup. Of course, they have some guys out there that we'll talk about later, but Padres should at least split the series. If they lose this series, it'll just be awful. Uh, but I'm comfortable with the guys we're putting out there for at least the first three games that we know of. Yeah, no, I mean, the expectation should be to win the series against the Diamondbacks this week, and they're going to have the starting pitching edge certainly over all these guys. And when you look at it, Madison Bumgarner is going to be the opening day starter for the Diamondbacks. Potters have faced Madison Bumgarner the last three opening days. They won all three games pretty convincingly too. Uh, well, actually not last year. Uh, the bullpen blew it pretty badly, but you know, you, you, you're looking at it and you're surely hoping that the Padres can roll against a subpar team, a team that's not expected to do much this year. And it's, that's the hope. So uh, they're going to go Bumgarner one, Merrill Kelly two. Uh, I, I I haven't taken a look at their other rotation, but I mean, I'd imagine that the guys that they're throwing out there uh, aren't going to be as good uh, for uh, for them. So uh, that's kind of what we're seeing. The Potters going to have the pitching uh, edge. Bobby, you have ESPN pulled up, right? Yes, I do. Who do the who does ESPN have slated as the Diamondback starting pitchers? Um, Madison Bumgarner, Merrill Kelly, Zach Davies, and for Sunday, Caleb Smith. That's right. I forgot Zach Davies was a Diamondback. I mean, he was awful last year. I mean, obviously twenty twenty, he was a great pitcher. He was a great number four or five for the Padres. I liked him a lot, but he was just atrocious last year. I think his ERA was around five point seven, five point eight. Yeah, 
pitched in a uh, combined no hitter against the Los Angeles Dodgers, though. So that that was right before the Cubs started to really collapse. Will be fascinating to see. You know, none of those guys have really overpowering stuff, and at times that has given the Potters some trouble. They have a tendency to ground out a lot, and those guys are going to try and get you to ground out. So. It's coming up to the Potters to be composed around the edges of the plate. You know, these umpires, as much crap as fans love to give them, they're really good. If the ball's off the plate, they're more than likely going to call it a ball. If it's below the knees, it's going to be a ball. And if it's above the letters, it's going to be called a ball. So uh, be patient at the plate would be my thing for the Potters because their bullpen is not very good. Does have Mark Melanson in it. So uh, it would be kind of ironic if Mark Melanson comes out and blows it uh, game one against his old team. And... I mean, this Diamondbacks team is not the best rotation, not the best bullpen, actually just not good in general, really. But did like Mark, we did, we all loved Mark Lester. Sometimes it got a little sketchy on the mound, but decided the same as a D back and uh, loved his time as a Padre. So this should be, hopefully, we don't see him at all, of course. Uh, hopefully, we, there's no situation where he will need to pitch, but love Mark the Shark. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, you kind of said it, expecting to win a series, it's pretty impossible to ask for a four-game sweep anytime, especially on the road against a division rival. But Potters take three to four, you're going to be happy? Oh, of course. Yeah, and the Dodgers, of course, open up in Colorado. So that's a tough place to open up and tough place to play anytime. And the Giants, they host, who do they, they host the Marlins. So... They're going to have to face one of the best starting rotations of baseball. Potters, you know, they I think they have the easiest start of the three teams in the NLS that are expected to compete. You know, I mean, the Potters, they started off the year really strong last year, but do it again. You know, last year's out the window, according to a lot of the guys. I hope that they're not just saying that to save face, but uh, got to just take what happened last year and just throw it out the window. And hopefully the Potters can have a strong year, and that starts – in Arizona this week. You got anything else you want to add, Bobby? Uh, just super excited for the season start, of course. Padres baseball is back. We will be in attendance uh, for opening day and uh, just excited to talk Padres baseball twice a week. Yeah. Thank you all for listening to Devils Talking Padres. Uh, make sure to follow Bobby and I on Twitter. You can find Bobby at Bobby Murphy 2000 and You can find me at DMster19. Uh, once again, this is an East Village Times podcast. So make sure to follow us at EVT underscore news so you can see all of our latest news, uh, Padres, Aztecs, Wave, Loyal, any professional San Diego sport, we cover it. So thank you all for tuning in, and we will catch you next time. Go Padres. Let's uh, enjoy opening week because we sure as heck miss baseball uh, during the lockout. <laughs>